Celebrating 25 years of Jaguars football. Hey, you, what you gonna do? Yo, you take it back. Here they come. Yo, you Jaguars Digital. Jaguars Digital. Jaguars Drive Time. Brian Sexton, John O'Shea, Ashlyn Sullivan. Jaguars Drive Time starts right now. Welcome into Jags Drive Time brought to you by Duval Motor Company. Throughout today's practice, you're going to get this shot, a live look at the training camp practice field. We have a camera out there today to show you some live drills and to see what's going on. But before the show started and that music played, Brian got hyped. Uh, He was a little excited. Oh, Jaguars. That was 1999. That was a, that was the... uh, Ill-fated. Oh, man, it was. You know the best part about that? And people who are watching this, and since it's on social media, I'm not sure if anybody's old enough. (laughs) Uh, But in 99, you know, Jaguars go 15-3. and They lose three times to the Tennessee Titans. And that, that, uh uh-oh, Jaguars rap, you remember, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it it came out before the playoffs. And then Vic Ketchman, uh, who was the senior editor of then Jaguars Inside Report, which was still a printed newspaper. You remember that, right? I do. Printed newspapers. Um, put on the headline, uh-oh, Jaguars, which fit, right? Song, mm-hmm. loss. Oh, TC was hot. He <laughs> held like it up. He held it up. He said, that's a shot. That's a shot, Vic said. It is what it is. I'm sorry. Lots of memories. The 25th season is just flooding me with memories like that. And as, uh, as Vic used to say, um, it's the memories that make you rich. Mm-hmm. And someday you will be rich with memories mm-hmm. from your professional football career. For now, he and I are billionaires when it comes to that. Yep. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Joe liked it. Dave liked it. The whole office was dancing. I loved it. <laughs> what? Eh, Get on the mic and of. say something. You know what's funny about that song? What? I, they, they sing, um, Ravens, what yeah. you going to do? Browns, what you going to do? Steelers, they never said Titans in that song. <laughs> never used the Titans. three times, you wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't know if I'd include them either. <laughs> If you could bring out, uh, it's time for Jaguars football, at some point, I would just, I might lose myself. Who knows? Anyway, we're way off topic, but the 25th season is, um, it's fun. It really is for people who are watching and for those of us who have been here and the newbie here. The newbies. The newbie. And with that, let's get into big things. Big thing one is competition. It's all over the training camp field, and that's what makes training camp great. In fact, Doug Rohn encourages competition and is excited to see it. Uh oh, Maxwell. <laughs> I can't think of a position, really, on our football team that doesn't have, you know, competition as far as a roster spot. Um, and I think that, that that that's pretty cool. You know, I mean, you, you go in there and you watch them go, and we'll see which ones grab them, and see which ones, you know, with special teams and things of that nature. Uh, I think that's uh, uh, exciting. Dunmore was rather chipper yesterday, rather positive and optimistic, which is somewhat unlike him. When he got to the cornerbacks, he also complimented that position. Ronnie Harrison's safety talked after practice and said that entire room is making him better.
it just keeps everybody hungry. You know, we're still competing. You know, nobody nobody's spot is solidified. You know, we're competing. This is training camp. Everybody's fighting for a spot. So with them making plays like that, you know, it just brings energy to the room. It makes it exciting. It makes going to practice fun. And finally, Big Thing 3 is counting on them. And it's not exactly the superstars that you count, you're counting on. You are counting on um, Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette, but it's Jeff Swaim, Quincy Williams, Jerry Wilson, guys like that who aren't the superstars, but you need them to play well this season. But one guy almost is becoming a superstar, and that's Quincy Williams. Yesterday, Doug Marone said he's the fastest on the football field, and the locker room didn't really like that one. Really, when you, when the ball snapped, and, and I, I think he might be the fastest player on our, on our football field right now. I mean, when you watch him, you know, I mean, he is fast. I mean, I, I know Didi will be pissed. There'll be a lot of the receivers that'll be pissed off, but I'm just telling you now, I mean, you know, and you guys know, you're seeing, I mean, he is fast. So, guys, were you as alarmed as I was about the compliments he was throwing out, Coach Marone, and the optimism? It, it was unlike him. Normally, he's the guy that keeps it very even keel, never calls a guy out. And that comment about Quincy Williams, I think I, everyone was, wow, that's unlike him. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. There's no better way to start a heated debate in the locker room than to ask three guys which of them is the fastest. <laughs> because if you're not playing line in the NFL, you think you're the fastest guy on the team, even if you're not. The only time I've ever seen that not up for debate was when Corey Grant was here, and he was so fast nobody debated it. Mm -hmm. But they'll that will get chatter started. Um, Doug was optimistic yesterday, and out of all that, the one we didn't use, he was really high on Ronnie Harrison as well and called Ronnie Harrison, who we saw in the bite, uh, a guy who can be a playmaker. And when Doug says playmaker, he's talking about a guy – he's talking more about uh, Jalen Ramsey kind of a playmaker that makes plays that matter as opposed to, as he said, just knocking away a pass. So um, out of everything he said yesterday, I thought that was the most interesting. Um, we're here to talk about Quincy Williams, who Brian, we talked on the podcast yesterday. Before you do that real quick, I, I think he has a chance to be a real impact. I do too. Uh, I have to step back there real quick on the Doug thing. Um, I haven't talked to Doug about this, but you talk about him being positive and, mm -hmm. and having a, uh, a more optimistic outlook when he talks to the media. Um, I have not talked to him about this, but I've talked to people, players and coaches and last year got heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 I don't want to say dark, but it, last year, this place was in a funk and he wasn't his best. And things, in terms of always being cheerful and, and, and seeing the, uh, the good in things. And, you know, he talked all offseason about changing some things. And I've noticed that too. And I, I believe, without having asked him, that that is a conscious effort on his part. Um, we've seen the schedule change. We've seen training camp change. Um, I think that's a, a part of him. And I think it's, it's not coincidental. It's not just guys playing well. He has changed the way that he's approached it. it and kudos to him. Every day is high energy, and it seems like Doug is excited for this season. Yep. All right, back to Quincy He's Williams. as excited as he's going to be. Yeah. Oh, look, Which you notice the difference. Let's make sure we're not – You can't change your persona. He's not Vermeil out there. No, no. <laughs> you can't change, you can't change right. you know, fundamentally who you are, but you can alter right. some of your methods. And yeah. I think this is a method that he's altering to try to keep it – I, fun's the wrong word for professional football, right. but fun. You know, they've got a serious job to get done, and they all understand what's at stake this right. year and the pressure that's there to win in 2019. Um, but you get to choose. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be fun, or is it just going to be intense at all times? And I, I think he's got a nice blend of both when he sits there and talks about what he likes as opposed to, you know, what he doesn't. Yeah, he certainly wasn't giddy in 17. 
he was really down last year. But, yeah. you know, all coaches do. But Doug really owns what's going on. And it, it, when he talks about it bothering him for the fans, for ownership, even beyond himself, I think he's sincere in that. And I think that's part of why he got so low last right. year. But even when he's up, it's hard for him to be giddy. He's not a naturally giddy guy. But that's a pronounced change. It, it absolutely is. Of Doug Marone, head coach of the Jaguars. Yeah. And, and, you know, kudos to him for deciding to make that move right. to find a positive out there every day. Now, you know, it's, it's in the meeting rooms. Hey, what is this? Right? Yeah. He's willing to do that. Um, back to Quincy Williams. I turned to you at one point. We were standing out there yesterday. I went, wow. I mean, he made an inside move, an instinctual move, where he read the guard and blew up the play in the backfield. Right? And you don't see rookie linebackers from Murray State or colleges of that ilk step into the NFL and show you that sort of instinct uh, in their first five or six practices. You don't see a lot of guys from any level. I mean, it's a hard transition. I've been saying it over and over for the last week. I think Quincy Williams will be fine. I don't think you're going to see a significant drop-off because it's a position where, uh, let's face it, it, in the NFL overall, that position's importance, Tuffle Smith was overpaid in terms of how the league feels about the position, in terms of what he meant here for a while, maybe not. So it's a position where you were supposed to be able, as a rookie, um, run, chase. You don't have to think very much. You don't have to have your, an incredible knowledge of the playbook. Uh, he can run and chase, and Miles Jack will help him a lot. Uh, I don't think you're going to see much of a drop-off at that spot. The other two guys that you mentioned, Jared Wilson, who's stepping in to replace uh, the free safety spot, is um, I, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, we may have an issue there. Mm-hmm. Right? No. Watching him on the practice field, he looks like he belongs. And Jeff Swain, the tight end that they brought in from Dallas, who, again, was a, I don't want to say Ben Koyak type, but in Dallas he was the, you know, he was the third tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he sure looks like a proven veteran and a guy – that Nick Foles is developing a relationship with. All three of those guys are moderately priced mm-hmm. guys who the public won't have a huge expectation for, like they do a Calais Campbell or a Jalen Ramsey. But their participation, their development this year will be critical to the Jaguars' ability to go where they want to go. Swain's interesting because you didn't sign him to be Gronk. No. Um, no. You signed him to fill a role. They anticipated that they wanted to draft a tight end as well. So when they got Swaim in free agency, they thought there was something else coming in the draft. They were right. It's Josh Oliver. He caught, I think it was 29 passes last year yeah. for, for 290 yards in about nine games. Uh, you can't always play the multiplication game, but that shows you that he's at least capable of being involved with it. Talked to Ron Milton last week, tight ends coach, about the tight ends. He said he was surprised at Swaim's overall athleticism, he sounded more optimistic than maybe he thought he would be initially about what he can contribute in the passing game. Uh, one more thought from, from me, at least, on big things, and that's the, the competition at cornerback. If you have been paying attention, uh, people have seen Breon Borders make a couple of mm-hmm. big plays and uh, come up with some interceptions. But the other two guys, Quentin Meeks, who had a uh, pretty solid day going in London against Philly last year before he got injured, and Trey Herndon, just make play after play after play. And that is so critical mm-hmm. uh, for this team. Not just because last year you played you know, without Boyer and without DJ Hayden for a time. So you need those guys to be able to step into the roles. But long term, you're highly paid a cornerback now at you know, almost $15.5 million for Boyer. 
and seven for Jalen. But you know, Jalen's going to go way up next year. Right. You got to have these young guys who are showing you signs of being able to be guys you can count on. Not just getting better, but guys that you can rely on. And if you're paying attention when the second and third team defense is out there, those guys are getting it done. Absolutely. They're pushing everyone. Good teams usually have a rookie free agent or two that you forget quickly were rookie free agents. Um, A lot of times it happens on the line. Uh, Meeks and Herndon fit that bill to me. Yeah, they sure do. They have two here. All right, let's move on with our show when we come back. More live footage of practice and some Ozone snapshot on the Jaguars digital network. When you hear, think Duval Motor Company, a proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval is the home of the real deal. No hype, no gimmicks, no haggle. Just a real fast, real friendly experience online and at the dealership. With five area locations, Ford, Honda, Acura, Subaru, and now Chevrolet, you can be sure Duval delivers on price, Duval delivers on service. Schedule your test drive today at the dealership, at your home, or at work. Duval delivers to you because the closest Duval dealer is in your driveway. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. For 25 years, we've been cheering on our Jaguars with an unwavering loyalty and commitment. To celebrate this milestone season, swing by gate and cheers to 25 years with the Jaguars' 25th anniversary collectible cup. Only at gate. Grab your 32-ounce cup today and fill it up with your favorite fountain drink for just $1.25. Then refill anytime for 99 cents. While supplies last, gate, serving up more. You give me that left one clear, I'm going to grab a hill. My only job is to take him out of it. Oh, slow, bro. That's why you got eight sacks. You got eight sacks off of one move, bro. I'm telling you, guaranteed. Marcel Darius mic'd up earlier this week at training camp. You can catch the full mic'd up feature on Jaguars.com. And the funny thing with this is Patrick Cavanaugh shoots these, and Marcel Darius forgot he was mic'd up, but if you listen to the entire mic'd up, he's stuff. talking to guys like Taven Bryan and Josh Allen the entire time, coaching them up. But at the end of the practice, he goes, oh, gosh, I, I forgot I was mic'd up. And this is a live look. Speaking of him, Marcel Darius, today on the training camp practice field. He is a guy such who's a had a big football. camp. He's such a good football player. Um, you know, if, people are, when's Jan getting here? When's Jan getting here? Um, and Yannick Ngakwe is a terrific player, uh, but I'm not – I think Darius is more critical to the Jaguars' defensive line because he is so dominant inside. Strong at the point of attack, but can push the pocket, which plays to the strength of a Darius, of a uh, of a Calais Campbell or of a uh, Yannick Ngakwe or Josh Allen in that he's going to push the quarterback to their side. Darius is often forgotten when you start talking about the key playmakers. That was a third overall pick in the draft and a $100 mm. million dollar guy. Mm. He's a hell of a football player. And really played well last year. And yeah, not every third pick in the draft you look at seven or eight years in, 
and think, well, that that's why he was third pick in the draft. Because it didn't work out in Buffalo at the end, I think people have forgotten. He's done a rare thing, and I I talk about it quite a bit. He's come to a second team, and it doesn't really have a second team feel. Yeah. Feels like he's been here forever. He's sort of that guy. That's sort of his personality type, too. I've asked him about it. He said, hey, I like everybody. It's not, it's not that big a deal. But oftentimes when people come in and they're traded, free agency come in, there's, there's a chemistry thing. They never really fit. Uh, maybe it's the fact that he knew Doug come in. Maybe it's the fact of his personality. But he's done a remarkable job of doing whatever they ask him to do. Mm-hmm. When you're around him, he doesn't really act like a star, meaning there's not a lot of negative off of that. Uh, not a lot of negative off of that in the locker room, period, right now. So he's an interesting guy on that front. Uh, they will miss him when that contract runs That's out, it. which you kind of think is going to happen next year with the, with the cap. The way they but, restructured it. Right. But for him to have played what would be two and a half years on that at the level and given them what they got, it was an unbelievably good trade to have pulled off it's at the time. It's the second best trade in Jaguars history if he plays to that level. You know, I mean, the guy is, uh, I, I'll make this prediction. At the end of this year, people will say, how do we keep Marcel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the same people who are saying, pay Jan whatever he wants, right? And the two are a contrast in terms. You can't pay him whatever he wants and then expect and keep to keep Marcel. great players. Right. Um, but dominant defensive tackles, dominant defensive tackles. And the numbers, they're not 12 or 15 sacks like Chris Jones in Kansas City. But dominant players like that, Man, they are worth their weight in gold. And people will say, how do we keep him? Because I think he's got a big year in him. And absolutely hilarious to talk to. You'll Gosh, see that in Mike Dup for sure. Yeah, All right, let's great. get to Ozone Snapshot. And now you see Doug Marone and Todd Walsh talking. Well, they're wondering what I was going to say. <laughs> the Ozone. All right, let's go to St. Augustine, Florida, and start with Robert. What is the possibility of moving right tackle Jawan Taylor over to left tackle if Cam Robinson isn't ready to play and his backups don't perform very well? Oh. Zero. Yeah, and Chalk we, up the zeros. We come back to me on the shot. I have an O standing up. But, uh, for ozone. Yeah, it, it, that won't happen. I understand the tendency for it, or I understand the thought behind it because Right now, he's probably their best healthy tackle, but he's a right tackle. It's what you drafted him to do, and uh, I don't see any way in the world they move him. Doug already said in the press conference yesterday, that's the only place where he's working. Uh, Two reasons. A, he's the best player for the position. B, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of tendency around here to move rookies around, bounce them around, and get them... Let them get good at their one spot before they're going to do it at another. Uh, I think that's why they're not moving Josh Allen around a whole lot. But in the case of Juwan Taylor, it's more, this is what this guy is. Don't mess with it. So O is a uh, shameless self-promoter. He had an O up. I I just have a zero up. Zero. Zero percent chance. Maybe you're the zero. (laughs) Here we go. In terms of ego, clearly I am because I'm not promoting myself. Yeah. Uh, but a, a, zero. a total zero in terms of percentage chance. They drafted into the right tackle. Uh, you don't want to take your best right tackle and weaken the right tackle position by moving him to the left side. It's just a non-starter. Put him there. Let him go. You've got Josh Wells, who I think you have mentioned right. several times, has played to a starter's level when he's been able to stay on the field. That's the big key. Will he be able to stay on the field? Um 
we, we talked a little bit on the podcast yesterday about, about uh, Cam Robinson, and the thought is that you will likely see him on the practice field when we get back from Baltimore, although they didn't say that yet. You know, they want, he's moving around pretty good, and they want to get him on the field in August. They don't want to wait till September and see where he's at. Right. And mid-August is a pretty normal time frame. Pretty much, if you injured your ACL during the season last year or during a previous season, it's not unusual to be cautious in the return during training camp. So that doesn't bother me as long as it looks like he's moving around. I think they're being safe. Uh, I think the bigger issue with Cam than the knee is how he plays once he gets up to speed. Is, is, is he making the improvement that he needed to make at the beginning of last year, which at the beginning of last year he really wasn't? Just one more note on that. Um, Albert Breer yesterday or Monday afternoon in his column on sportsillustrated.com referred to a league study that was distributed to the teams that said that guys coming back from injuries, if they were to re-injure it, generally did it in the first seven to ten days of training camp. Right, because they're all so, excited full go. Exactly. So don't be surprised if, you know, holding back Cam, who again looks like he's moving pretty well, isn't a result of reading that study and saying, let's be really smart about mm -hmm. this. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Virginia for Thomas's question. Great job on the All-25 Jaguars Top 25. It brought back a lot of great memories, as you guys were discussing yeah. earlier in the show. I hesitated to include this because it was less— you can't take any credit yeah, for it. Yeah, it was less about me than it was <laughs> as a group. Um, so that was a little eh. But in, in all seriousness, the All-25, which people have been seeing on Jaguars.com, Brian, you and I were interviewed for it. So we sure. sat in front of a camera— and looked good, but beyond that, didn't have much to do with it. Credit to the digital team, Patrick Cavanaugh, Dave DeCandis, Max Hockman, uh, and uh, Brent Reber, who I'm still terribly scared of. Uh, <laughs> but so cool. it's a fantastic series. Uh, fits perfect with the uh, 25 celebration. And uh, it was time for it uh, to acknowledge a lot of players. And it does feel like it's sort of done a nice job of tying up the past and looking at the future. Do you know who, who has not enjoyed the series? Probably Reber. No. Keenan McCardell. Keenan McCardell. I knew you were yeah. going there. Yeah, Keenan was not happy that he was seven. I mean, he kept... He, anyone who has been affiliated with that list, or at least he perceived mm -hmm. to be affiliated with, he has been seven. Seven. I love that about Keenan. Yeah. He's unhappy that he's not number one. He might in... in, in, in I would have had him five, to be honest with you. And that's where I voted him. Yeah. I'll never forget being in Denver and Jimmy catching a long touchdown pass mm -hmm. and Keenan on the tape standing in the middle field. I was wide open. Right. Keenan wanted the ball every play. Top competitor. Love that man. And have enjoyed the fact that he didn't like being at seven and he wasn't scared to let you know. Um, the Jags receivers are in good hands with a guy that's that competitive. Right. To have a competitive guy like that be a coach now, is, yeah. you couldn't ask for a better coach. You bet. All right. Let's wrap it up with Steve. Can we stop using 10 sacks as the measurement for elite? That's like calling every running back with 1,000 yards elite, except there's always more 10-plus sack guys than 1,000-yard rushers. I think it makes him a great player, but I feel like elite is stretching it. Um, I, I, I think he's right. You know, 10 is, is a very good number, uh, and this is obviously sort of circled around Unique Ngakwe, um, but... It's not 15. It, it, it's not 16. It's not dominant. And I think that's sort of what goes back to the conversation around Unique. He is a very, very, very good pass rusher. Very good young pass rusher. It looks like he's going to be around a long time. But 
I think the reason that it hasn't been a no-brainer to pay him, Brian, is that I don't know that he is Von Miller, Khalil Mack, dominate the game guy. Uh, it's okay to pay 10 sack guy, but how much do you pay him? How much do you structure your team around him? I think that's what they're wrestling with, and it's a tough question because he's performed, but has he performed to the point where you structure everything around? That's a different question. So, 10 sacks is productive in my mind, okay? He was elite with 12 sacks in 17 because he had six forced fumbles, mm-hmm. and I believe five of those became touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That was an elite-level performance in 2017. Last year, if you go back and look at his sacks, they were nice, they were important, but they did not change games. Now, it's not all his fault, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ball's got to bounce the right way. The offense has got to give you a lead in many cases. And I, I asked the big key. It's hard to change games when, when you're, you're behind, behind, and that's the dilemma they Although they did some of that in 17. Yep. Um, I think he's a very productive pass rusher, and I think he's a guy that you should make a fair market offer to, but not a market-setting one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ten sacks, not elite. Confirmed. Very productive. Ten sacks is productive. They haven't had enough ten-sack guys around here in 25 years. In fact, you know, before 2017, it had been 11 seasons. Bobby McRae had been the last guy to post ten sacks. So it's not, and he did that in 2006. So it's not easy to do. Um, but to be elite... Yeah, you're looking at 15, 16, 17 sacks or six, seven, you know, forced fumbles that become, you know, either touchdowns or momentum changing moments in a game. And um, he did not have an elite, elite year last year. Fair enough. All right, let's take a live look at the Jaguars' new quarterback, Nick Foles, on the training camp practice field. Speaking of that, we're going to come back with some training camp battles next on the Jaguars Digital Network. When you hear, think Duval Motor Company, a proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval is the home of the real deal. No hype, no gimmicks, no haggle. Just a real fast, real friendly experience online and at the dealership. With five area locations, Ford, Honda, Acura, Subaru, and now Chevrolet, you can be sure Duval delivers on price, Duval delivers on service. Schedule your test drive today at the dealership. At your home or at work, Duval delivers to you because the closest Duval dealer is in your driveway. On your mark, get set, register today for the annual IOA Jaguars 5K Stadium Challenge on August 10th and take on TIAA Bank Field under the lights. Put in some work on the stadium ramps, sneak a peek at Daly's Place and the Dreamfinders Homes Flex Field and run through the stadium tunnels like a true champion. Finish strong and see yourself on the video boards. All participants receive one free beer at the Bud Light After Party. Proceeds benefit the Jaguars Foundation. Register today at firstplacesports.com. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters. Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group. Proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to Jags Drive Time brought to you by Duval Motor Company. You're taking a live look at the tight end group, Ron Middleton and his tight ends. And that brings us to some camp battles. A new segment we're going to have here during training camp. 
And my camp battle is with these tight ends. Now, it all depends on how many wide receivers the Jaguars keep. But my battle is between Ben Koyak and James O'Shaughnessy. Kind of similar guys. You brought in Jeff Swain from Dallas during free agency. You drafted Josh Oliver, who has looked great during training camp. You might keep four tight ends. But if you have to keep three, deciding between these two, pretty similar guys. James O'Shaughnessy, I think, has the edge on athleticism, but similar guys, and I don't really know how they're going to decide between the two. Well, I would have given the edge to O'Shaughnessy uh, for his receiving ability. Remember, he was in Kansas City with Foles in 2016 for a time, so there is a familiarity there. In fact, I've heard Nick mention him. However, Koyak had a couple of big catches mm -hmm. on the practice field yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, you, I mean, you're seeing him rise to the occasion. There's one of them. Koyak is a guy who, he's made tough catches. Remember the touchdown catch at the back of the end zone against Buffalo? Yep. Big catches. He's a solid but unspectacular player. I don't think he has the upside of a Jeff Swaim. And, and Swaim's a guy who came into the league kind of like a Koyak, you know, to be a second, third tight end. Um, but Koyak's rising to the occasion and giving you all he has. It's going to come down to special teams at that spot. The third tight end is going to have to be a key contributor, a consistent contributor on special teams. Which one can do it? I think there's a good chance they keep both because it's so important – if you're going to have a two tight end set, which which they will, to have two guys who can play both, uh, so I think they will lean toward trying to keep four. Uh, the X factor on decisions like this, when Doug talked about competition, in the NFL these days, there's rarely competition for starting spots because they spend the whole off season trying to fill the depth chart. Right. It's usually what we're talking about, which is bottom, uh, not bottom of the roster, but who makes the team. Um, Often that decision comes down to if we release this guy versus this guy, what are the chances they get picked up? Historically, they have been able to risk having Koyak out there and being able to bring him back. O'Shaughnessy having a little more receiving skill might be more coveted. So that might give James O'Shaughnessy the edge in terms of that 53-person cutdown. But uh, I think they're both... I'd be surprised if both aren't on the field for the Jaguars during the season, 8-10 to 10 games. Well, and you can see just watching practice, Nick Foles looks for the tight end. Mm -hmm. um, That's why I think they probably keep yeah, I think that makes sense. And don't discount the fact that you could see Koyak in the offensive backfield. He's a pretty good blocker, mm -hmm. uh, playing in a fullback role when they, when they line up that way. No, Nick Foles has admitted that he automatically looks for the tight end first, so agreed that. Yeah. You're going to play to his advantages. All right, Brian, you have wide receivers as your camp battle. Terrell Pryor and Tyree Brady. Right. So New Pryor week. looks to me like a guy who can carve out a role. And again, for Jaguars fans who've been around for a while, an Ernest Wilford kind of role in that he's the guy who on third and seven has the body to get to the marker and push forward. You know, Huge reach guy. For the big guy. Um, for a, a former quarterback, he certainly understands you know, the job that they've given him, the way that he plays the game, it's pretty clear. He's starting to get more reps up the depth chart a little bit with, uh, with the twos. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get more, maybe with the ones. Brady's a young guy, kind of like Keelan Cole, who's come out, made some plays, flashed a little bit. You can see he's got the size, the length. Um, it's more a contrast. Do you take a young guy there if you're going to keep a sixth receiver, or do you take the veteran, Terrell Pryor, who's going to cost you a little bit more? So this live look is, is showing you those two guys who are going after it together. Um, again, it, it comes down to special teams. Who can give you more on special teams? Um, if Brady is going to make it, I, to me, he's more of a 
of a of a practice squad guy, mm-hmm. right? Um, Pryor is fighting to to convince them to have, I think, John, a sixth wide receiver, mm-hmm. especially if they're going to keep four tight ends. See what I mean? So they're kind of battling here, but it's not as direct. It's more for who's going to be that next guy. You know, they cut Pryor, keep the fourth tight end, and then Brady's the guy who comes up if they need him at some point in the season. And a couple of things play into this, and Brian, you touched on one. You put Brady on the practice squad, and there's more of a chance that if you make that move and release Brady that he's around, Pryor has a name. So mm-hmm. if there are injuries somewhere else around the league, they would probably look to Pryor. Right. Okay, let's bring in this guy. He's got some experience. He is an unbelievably large wide receiver. They don't have that. Keenan likes that element because they don't really have that anywhere else. Um, so the other factor here is, you know, I don't know this in terms of talking to anybody, but there's always the possibility with Marquise Lee still on pup. If he starts the season on pup, which considering the nature of his injury, that would not be unreasonable. Wouldn't be a huge shock. That will change the dynamic of how they look at these two because all of a sudden the receivers move up at least temporarily. So often when you're talking about the 53 man roster, we all focus on that day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's more, okay, this is what we're doing for that day. We're putting this guy on pup. We're moving this guy here. And it's sometimes really a 55, 56 man because you know you're going to be able to get certain guys back. So that's something to watch for because if Marquise is on pup, then I think this, uh, this conversation around these guys, I think, I think one of these guys would make the team. All right, finally sticking with offensive battles. John, you have the backup quarterback job, which has become pretty competitive the past few days. Gardner Minshew versus Alex Magoo. Yeah, and it's probably not fair not to have Tanner Lee on that list because it's been a pretty uh, – it seems like the reps overall between these three has been pretty even. With Minshew, I haven't charted it, Brian, but it seems like he's getting the most second-team reps. Well, that's what we thought. Um, I mean, we, when they drafted him, right. we heard all of the accolades coming right. you know, on the third day from Tom and Dave and Doug. And we, I don't have any question that they want him to be the reserve, you know, backup quarterback. Uh, but, They're not just going to hand it to him. But he is a sixth-round pick who's a rookie, not prototypical. Um, I've heard nothing to indicate that his football intelligence isn't there, that all the things they like are real. On the other hand, it out of five practices, I've charted an interception, I think, from him at least once, except for maybe one day. I mean, so far, it feels like too many interceptions and, uh, and too many cases where maybe that prototypical, non-prototypical arm has haunted him. Yeah, he doesn't that's, have a very good arm. That's five practices, one of them in pads, so I'm not, I'm not jumping off the bridge here yet. But I think this will be more of a battle than maybe it felt like coming out of OTAs. I like his aggressiveness. Uh, his history shows that from a touchdown-to-interception ratio, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's at college football, right. not at this level. Um, you know, he's, he's, a de- <laughs> he's a developmental backup. Does that make sense? He's not a guy that you're right. ever going to expect to start, but he can become a long-term backup, you believe. Um, but developmental Yeah, does he deserve to be the number away. two? Well, none of these three guys right. Right, give you any confidence if you lose Nick Foles. Right. None of these guys step in like a Chad Henney did for a time. Right. And you say, okay, well, we can win. With this them. is not a position where you just get- – there are positions on September 1st, whenever that cut-down day is, maybe that you just looking, go get a guy. Yeah, maybe they'll be looking for a guy based on what they see. Yeah, a backup camp. quarterback anymore in this league, that's a tough 
ask yeah. to go get a guy and say, okay, you're going to play if, mm. if Foles is hurt. I would, I would totally agree. But yeah. if, they don't, if they don't see progress from right. Minshew, and, and I, I said to you yesterday, you know, Lee hasn't had a bad camp. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's got a whale of an arm, and yep. I've seen him th- make some great throws. Uh, but then yesterday I saw him make some really poor throws. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the intriguing thing about watch Minshew. It. We're going to get a lot of opportunities over the next month to watch these guys. The intriguing thing about Minshew is uh, football intelligence and all that stuff, college is so much slower than the NFL. And there are sometimes, I, I don't know if Gardner fits in this or not, but I covered Danny Warfel back 25 years ago at Florida. Best college quarterback I ever saw. I'm personally biased because I saw him. Didn't have the arm to make key throws in the NFL and therefore was, despite all the intelligence, never could make it because they were just throws that the, the defenders were going to jump on. Um, that's always the scary thing for non-prototype guy. Uh, can Gardner overcome that? We'll see. Yeah, definitely has the IQ, but yeah, the arm mm-hmm. could haunt him. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap it up with top tweets as we take a live look at training camp practice here on Jaguars Drive Time. When you hear, think Duval Motor Company, a proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval is the home of the real deal. No hype, no gimmicks, no haggle. Just a real fast, real friendly experience online and at the dealership. With five area locations, Ford, Honda, Acura, Subaru, and now Chevrolet, you can be sure Duval delivers on price, Duval delivers on service. Schedule your test drive today at the dealership, at your home, or at work. Duval delivers to you because the closest Duval dealer is in your driveway. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Did you hear? The last two years, the Jaguars returned a punt for a touchdown, earning local families $100,000 towards a DreamFinders home. Lauren Brooks here, letting you know that could be you this season. Visit any DreamFinders homes model and register to win the Take It to the House promotion for your chance at scoring $100,000 towards your DreamFinders home. DreamFinders homes, homes built to fit your lifestyle. I ain't gonna lie, bro. <laughs> he gets my vote. I think he's number one corner in the league. Best corner in the league. I love the way that Jalen Ramsey plays. Definitely should be in the top 20. To have the confidence that he has, it doesn't matter who he lines up against him, who he goes against, he's not gonna change the way he plays for anybody. For 27 on the top 100 list. The fans out at training camp. Speaking of that, tomorrow is the last open practice for fans to come watch during training camps. Be sure to register on jaguars.com so you can come out and watch and join the fun. Speaking of top tweets in this new segment, new segment, not new, Jalen Ramsey tweeted out that on his daughter, there's no way that 26 guys are better than him. Any surprise there that he thinks he should be number one? Well, no. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, but... 
I, I was a little surprised he was 27th. I get it. He did not have a statistically um, eye-popping year last year. But when you look at him right now, I, I can't imagine there's 26 guys that are better than him. No, he basically had one game last year, the Colts game. We've all talked about it, where he, you know, just sort of went haywire. Yeah. And beyond that, uh, I've gotten a lot of questions this year sort of using the premise of, well, we all know Jalen didn't have a great year last year, but how do you – and he was – I'm not sure where you come to that conclusion beyond just one year. He made a Pro Bowl. You know, the postseason honors weren't there, but postseason honors are often tied into how you do. Calais was 54th. He wasn't the 54th best player in the league. No. They were 5 and 11. Jalen Ramsey, 27. Had the Jaguars been 9 and 7, he's probably in the top 15. It, it always correlates to that. He's, uh, again, he has come back. He's. That's an unpadded day there, and he looks like he's in shoulder pads. He's come back in unbelievable shape. I think he's going to have – with a corner, it's always hard to say he's going to have his best year because you don't know how the stats come because if they throw away. There's no question in my mind that he'll be dominant. He's reached that point where I never doubt what kind of year he's going to have. Ashton, you've been to the Kentucky Derby. I have. When you were there, could you tell the better horses? Just by the way they walk, you, people no. who know horses – can go and stand and watch the way a horse sweats. She was into her third mint julep by the time she started looking at horses. Don't be so hard on me, God. <laughs> that's a thoroughbred. I was enjoying myself. That's that's a thoroughbred. And when you watch him be a backpedal walk on a, on a football field, you can tell that's the best horse in the field. He's different. He is different. He is made different. His body is made to play corner. He has the... <laughs> You know, the great horses, the American pharaohs, right, are those horses that have a killer instinct. And and I've read the book by the jockey, and he, he swore that that horse understood when he was in the last couple of lengths. Uh, that's that. He understands exactly what to do and how to do it from the practice field to the game field. He is as good a football player as there is in football. Now, you may put somebody else number one or number five based on a the position they play, uh, but that is a thoroughbred right there. I'm going to disagree with you. His body was put on this earth to play strong safety, yeah, you're which makes right. it amazing that he's as that good he a corner, corner as well. And I say it as a compliment. Um, again, what's striking about Jalen right now is, is the physical size, and yet if you stepped back and just watched him, not around anybody else, he moves like a corner, yeah. which is an unbelievable combination. And he knows it. He mm -hmm. has that killer instinct, that Michael Jordan-esque instinct about him right now. He's fun to watch, and I hope the Jaguars fans are paying close attention to the way that he practices uh, because it's rare to find a player with all of those skills. Yep. But he wasn't here for OTAs, Brian. Nope. He wasn't? Nope. When were OTAs? I've forgotten. I know. It's... We'll never, we'll never, never going to live about, it down. <laughs> we'll never even talk about OTAs from this point forward. We're done with that. <laughs> Until I, John yeah. brings it up. Well, I, huh? Jalen Ramsey doesn't look like he even needs... Uh, I'll just leave it at that. It's OTAs. Go -to. yeah. All right. Let's start top tweets with something we knew was coming. Doug Marone's comments on Quincy Williams being the fastest on the field right now. Of course, D.D. Westbrook is going to chime in. He tweets out, Coach Marone, you're dead wrong with this. You know I'm the fastest. Easy. Um, D.D. Westbrook has made a big play. More than that. Made several plays and at least one big play in every practice since training camp opened. If anyone is having the best camp, it's him. If the locker room were open today, I would walk around asking guys if they were the second fastest on the team. There's, <laughs> there's nothing better than seeing these guys irked over that. How do you think Jalen would answer that? 
Yeah, well, and so it it's always fun. I wish the locker room were open because nobody thinks that they're not the fastest guy on the team. When the Madden ratings came out, we went back and forth between D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark, and D.J. Chark actually got a faster rating than Westbrook, and D.D. freaked out and wanted to go race D.J. Chark in front of the stadium at that moment. It's the competition you like to see. It really is. All right. Now for some fashion trends. It seems like Leonard Fournette is looking in John Osier's closet because he said, I'm rocking my pink visor this year. Which one? Right. Which one? I know you have some options. I know he called you about this, but he's going to rock one of yours. I I have a striking collection of pink visors. I knew it. But you don't have a pink suit, and Joe Fortunato does. So I don't think you measure up. Maybe you can get borrow Joe's suit with the pink visor, and that could be your training camp outfit tomorrow. I would be rocking. Yep. All right, let's wrap it up with a guy that we don't really talk about much, Will Richardson Jr. So it's a Philip Heilman's tweet, but Doug Marone said yesterday that from last year to this year, it's night and day the improvements that Will Richardson Jr. has made. We didn't get to see a lot of him last year, but he's having a good camp, and it's a guy we talked about last year being a good option. Yeah, it it's interesting. I have not seen him working with the starters or the backups yet. Um, and that may just be a matter of how they're working the rotation. So it'll be interesting to see going forward where this ends up. If he's improving, as Doug says, you would think you will see action from him, at least with the reserves. Uh, because you would think, Brian, that this is a year that he needs to make the, he needs to progress and be on the field. Or he has to, I think you have to decide what to do with. They have some high-priced uh, offensive linemen, and they have a. Uh, they're going to be in a situation next year where they're going to need to let at least one of them yeah. go. And so, Will Richardson's progress this year isn't necessarily for this year. Right. It's that you've got a guy that you can count on plugging and playing with next year. It gives you the confidence that you don't have to just go worry about drafting because this club has decisions to make against the cap every year now with star players. So you must have the Trey Herndons and the Will Richardsons progressing, even if they're not starting, so that eventually they can. And, you know, last year when they drafted him, they said this is a guy that probably, if he hadn't had the -the Mm off-the-field issues at North Carolina State, would have been a second-round pick. He has that kind of size and that kind of athletic ability. Okay, good pick in the fourth round. Let's see him play. Mm -hmm. They need him. They're going to need him. High praise from Coach Marone, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. What am I saying? Bye. Bye-bye. And Coach John Filippo is speaking after practice. Be sure to stay tuned to that on Jaguars.com and Jaguars social media. We will see you tomorrow right here on Jaguars Drive Time.